Well, thank you for joining me today on Financially Speaking. My name is Mitch Slater. I'm a Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with UBS Wealth Management in Westfield, New Jersey. We're along with my partners, Ann and Crystal. We do our best to bring you advice beyond investing and address our clients' most challenging financial needs. It's my sincere hope that each and every episode of this podcast will educate you on personal finance and real-life business issues of the day. So let's jump right in. Not surprisingly, there's been a dramatic shift over the past two months when it comes to the content people are interested in reading about on LinkedIn. Earlier this year, the top two hashtags on LinkedIn were marketing and leadership. But like everything else in our lives, those hashtags have changed to COVID-19 and working from home, which actually are part of the top two or three hashtags, according to LinkedIn last week. I thought it would make sense to take a deeper dive on what people are posting on LinkedIn during this lockdown and bring to you this week two past guests of this show who are both experts in this field of engagement and helping others crush their LinkedIn profiles. So I'm really happy to have, in my opinion, two superheroes of everything LinkedIn. When I said superheroes, I was thinking Batman and Robin, but you know that's not really fair because who gets to be Robin? That's just not fair. So I don't know. I haven't quite figured out which superheroes, but they are superheroes. Trust me. Brian Teej is true royalty around the halls of LinkedIn from nearly their birth on this planet and is now the global client director since they were bought by Microsoft. Even though Brian may be royalty, my other guest, Dan Swift, is the one with the British accent. So you'll be able to find him quickly. Dan is the CEO of Empire Selling, a digital sales training and transformation company. Dan also worked at LinkedIn for many years, launching the social selling business and LinkedIn sales navigator before becoming a true entrepreneur himself and his company and has been helping other companies respond to changing buyer behaviors throughout this crisis. So welcome, Dan. Welcome, Brian. I trust both of you and your families, first of all, are well and managing as best as possible in this new normal of global pandemic 2020. Hey, Mitch, thank you for having us on. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Great. Well, glad to have you on. So, so guys, for today's episode, rather than ask you questions, I would rather throw out some key topics and have you both comment and feel free to take this half hour in any direction that our listeners can walk away with some real solid takeaways to help them either find a job or grow their own network and businesses. So why don't we start with what I know we all agree is really one of the keys to LinkedIn. And from working with both of you over the years, this was always the first step. So let's talk about profiles, which today I would imagine is probably more important than ever. Jump in. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to go first, man. So absolutely. So I think from a LinkedIn network perspective and the whole platform, salespeople now more than ever have to have to have to use it as a platform to educate buyers on how they as individual salespeople, but also the company that they represent can help their target buyers be productive and successful, right? So I think a lot of the work that we do, and I love Brian's take on this, a lot of the work that we do is teaching sales organizations how to get their salespeople on brand, how to get salespeople to understand that buyers are coming to their profiles, right, to check them out, and use it as an opportunity to educate people on those kind of things. So customer stories, analyst reports, and but also doing it in a very human way, right, where 
when buyers look at your profile, you feel as though you kind of maybe know that person a little bit. So it's just a, it's a huge opportunity. And, and still in 2020, we're working with so many companies who just haven't got there yet, you know. But Brian, what do you think, man? Uh, where do I begin? So I think the education work is really important. And if you think about the work that Dan's company does, it sets a lot of the groundwork and foundational elements there. But I think the thing that the organizations forget is the support for change management. As people learn these skills, giving them the, the bandwidth and providing the discipline to actually change the, the workflow. I think that's where a lot of people think that LinkedIn or other social media platforms can become a silver bullet. Hey, I do something once and all of a sudden my trajectory changes, but it's not. It's thousands of little decisions and the ability to grind day in and day out over a long period of time that changes the outcome. So I think getting the great foundation for the profile, getting the content out there, as Dan said, but it's not one and done. And I think that's really where prospecting and salespeople fall short. They don't retain a rigor and discipline around engaging all the social media platforms that may be appropriate for the, the product or service that they're out there pitching. Do you think that during this time, people should be considering some kind of a refresh of their profile? Should they be adjusting? I mean, this is obviously the first time since LinkedIn's been around, there's been anything like this. I mean, obviously the financial crisis and a couple other issues, but nothing like this. So I'm wondering if that's a good idea, if that's something you would be recommending and what types of changes would you make? I mean, definitely, right? So I think it depends on the the LinkedIn member and the situation that he or she is in right now. So if still employed, which let, let's start there, right? If still employed, then definitely, because what we're seeing is a huge amount of gauge, engagement on the platform, particularly because we are all working from home and that engagement taking place at different times now in the day. But again, you know, this is an opportunity to educate all of those people who are coming to your profile to learn more about what your organization does and what you specifically could do to help them. So a refresh right now to make sure it's all up to date. You've got the latest and greatest customer stories, any videos, LinkedIn recommendations of other customers saying great things about you, those kind of things. Absolutely. If you are unfortunately in that group of people who is no longer employed, and then this is an opportunity to now to put your best version of yourself out there. So when hiring managers and recruiters are looking at your profile, you're telling them everything they need to know to make a good informed decision about you before they even reach out to you to say, hey, would you be interested in this role? So absolutely, and countless other scenarios as well. To pile on to what Dan was sharing, I think that it's really important that if you are impacted right now, it is a good time to force a, a refresh of your brand. And starting with your own personal professional objective, I think having the ability to be succinct and clear about what your objective is, is really important. And I think, especially with the, the gig economy, a lot of people have side hustles or multiple interests. And that's really important for a lot of people. However, if you're trying to share that story of what you can do better than what others do that have similar roles, it can get lost in the translation in a, in a LinkedIn profile. So I would say that make sure that you stay on point, stay on your story and stay on your objective. And it's not just about leaving it there at the profile refresh. Make sure that you're joining the groups on LinkedIn, follow the hashtags that are relevant to the skill sets and 
items for that service or skill or job that you're related to, because it doesn't matter if you have the world's greatest profile, but if you're not networked to the right people and you're not building awareness for yourself, it really doesn't matter. And so I think it's those subsequent activities and consistency of activities over time that gets you into more conversations to hopefully increase your chances of getting back into the workforce or getting a new role. I've seen people actually change their photograph to their working from home photo. What do you think about that? Oh, I think that it really should be their professional photograph. If it's tastefully done, professionally done, I think it's great. I've been saying it for a long time. You should avoid sunglasses unless you work for the Sunglass Hut or uh, Beachcomber. Shouldn't be a photograph of the one that has your former significant other cut out of it. And unless you're a veterinarian, you probably shouldn't have your dog with you. That's my opinion. But at the same token, other people want to let their personality shine. And I think that's as long as they're comfortable with it, it's great. And then personally, the one that we really love is the more provocative showing too much flesh photos on LinkedIn. I think those are kind of taboo. But again, other people choose different paths. That is certainly for sure. And Brian and I have identified those people from time to time. You know, you mentioned personal stories. And I think, Dan, this is something you spend a lot of time with, is boosting team morale by encouraging others to kind of share their unique insight. So I think this is probably the best time ever to be doing that, right? Definitely, because it's really interesting, right? And and Brian was going there a little earlier on where it's all about how you use the LinkedIn network and how you ultimately, the mindset you have for it. So we're going into companies now to teach salespeople that buyers actually want to be educated, right, by salespeople. But you've got to know what content to put out, when to put it out, what blend of content matters, how much you should share about the company that employs you and and the stuff that you solve for companies and then how much you should lean into other things so i'll give you a perfect example i love brian's take on this right so we're now teaching a a simple rule really simple 50 25 25 so 50 percent on average of what salespeople put out onto linkedin should and, and could be about the company that employs them right? So anything from job opportunities, press releases, customer stories, videos, testimonials, product launches, interviews with executives, all that kind of goodness, right? Because how else are you going to educate the people that are in your network who might buy from you about what it is that you do? Then at 25% of what you share should be industry thought leadership, right? Which is from third-party reputable sources. So give you an example, If you're selling into chief human resources officers, what is the kind of content that those folks would benefit from that they might read every day? And then going to get that kind of content and pushing it out into the network to help them become more productive and successful. And then the final piece is the is the, what I call personal content. So not pictures of you and your kids, although maybe there's a time and place for that. But I'm talking about like, what are you professionally passionate about? So I, there's three big things I care about outside of digital and social selling. I love anything to do with elevating women in business, anything to help military veterans transition into civilian life, and then anything around compassionate leadership. Those are my big three buckets of things I, I really care about. And that's the kind of 25% that I share. So we teach sellers to think about content in those kind of buckets and then push it out with the right mindset, which is you're doing it to make the people in your network better in the roles that they're in. And as a result of that, though, boy, do you get some interaction and traction with your LinkedIn profile. But Brian, I'd love to get your take and, and see what you're seeing when you're doing your thing. 
the only thing I was questioning there, Dan, was the 25% around industry news from credible sources. I didn't know if there's any credible sources left out there. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Amen. Yep. I cast a stink eye to just about every news article I see on the web anymore. So I'm a little bit more balanced. I prefer to take the company content down to about a third. I find, generally speaking, the conversations that I can gather from the personal content or the industry knowledge resonates more often. And, you know, and this is also very dependent on your network and what your purpose is, right? So for me, a lot of my connections are with clients, decision makers, very busy people. And regardless if they're picking up my phone call or email or, or responding to me in other means, I think it's really important for me to put out the industry knowledge very objectively and show that I'm bringing value and perspective outside of what I just do from my organizational perspective, from what I do with uh, LinkedIn. That, to me, is the thing that I find a lot of salespeople get lazy on. They don't do their research, right? When was the last time a sales rep pulled a K or Q on a company that they cover, right? Very few do, but when you put that hard work in and you really try to understand your clients' needs and help them look around the corner of what may be coming. I think that's how you really set yourself apart as a salesperson in today's age. Yeah, makes so much sense. And one of the ways that people are doing more and more of this is video. And Brian, I know when you and I sat down, I guess last fall, at the Empire State Building talking about LinkedIn video, it kind of had just exploded onto the channel. And, and I know personally how much it's helped humanize all of my, my own efforts what do you guys see that, that you like and what you don't like? Because there's a lot of video content. There seems to be a number of folks, mostly women that I've noticed for some reason, that kind of claim they're LinkedIn experts and they're giving advice and they're having cups of coffee and they're telling people what to do. And then there's some people that are actually having conversations that I find that are very helpful. And, you know, then they're nuts like me that post Springsteen theme videos. But of course, that's more about passion and letting people know what my passions are to get to know me a little bit better. But in this crazy coronavirus, COVID-19, global pandemic 2020 vision that we are <laughs> dealing with, what do you guys think makes sense? Wow. That's a huge question. I know this. <laughs> well, listen, I'll, I'll give you my two cents on it. And then again, Brian, you, you're at LinkedIn. I'd love to hear what you're saying, right? So I think of video and, and the opportunity that it represents in two ways. Like with content, right? There's one-to-many and one-to-one. So what, I'm, what you're describing is, is the stuff in the feed, right? The one-to-many. And everyone seems to want to be a thought leader nowadays. I think the, uh, the benefit of platforms like LinkedIn and the amplification effect and your content going viral, right, is also the brand risk as well for not just the company, but also the individual. And get it wrong, and that can be terrible, right? So I think for the right people in the right roles, maybe small business owners, massive opportunity to get your story out there. But again, you've got to be very careful and do it in the right way. The other part that I think about video, though, is one-to-one. And that, for us, is something huge that we teach people. Because think about this scenario. You go and connect with a business owner, right? Or someone you're trying to sell to, a chief risk officer for, for my world, or a chief revenue officer, I should say. And you connect on LinkedIn. And then we follow up with the video, right? One-to-one. 
in the LinkedIn message and say, you know, introduce yourself, thank them for accepting your connection request and just explain that you're there as a resource for them now or in the future. And it's so human and so like on point now. That's how we're using video, not and also for prospecting and deal progression, all sorts of other stuff. But I see those two use cases being pretty powerful. But Brian, what are you what are your thoughts, man? I think the the one-to-one is a little bit harder for me. It's, it's something that doesn't align with my own interests, but I can see how it could be very compelling. And, and if you've got a penchant for, for doing video and you're really passionate about it, I think it could be a big differentiator. The other thing that I question is how much time do our intended prospects have to actually watch videos, right? They may do it the first time, the second time. At what point in time does it lose its impact? Totally. That's a, a concern of mine. The third around like the one to many, I like a, a more conversational view to learn about a topic. And I think the one thing that organizations are not doing, they're not getting their subject matter experts out there. I'm not talking about the revenue producers. I'm talking about the, especially around a services business, the people who really make the, the business hum. How do you get those people out there so they could share that peer knowledge with other industry leaders that can make a difference. Because as an example here at LinkedIn, a lot of time I invest with my clients is bringing them to come and chat with thought leaders within LinkedIn. LinkedIn was the creator of Apache Kafka for big data handling, right? So a lot of companies are really fascinated and want to know how to handle big data challenges in a unique way that LinkedIn not only became a thought leader, but also spun out Confluence, right? Similar to like a Red Hat situation. That's important. You know, that's not access that just anyone has an option to tap into. So how do you unlock some of those subject matter experts internally to get them out there and engaging the people you may not normally be able to engage as a differentiator? As far as all of the individuals out there claiming to be experts on everything, it's buyer beware, right? You have to figure out and trial and error and interact with people and ask people, you know, are these individuals going to be worth my time? I'm sure now if I do a quick search on LinkedIn, there's probably around the world out of the 700 million members, I could probably find a a million LinkedIn consultants that'll help you with your profile. (laughs) At least. And you you know what I find sad? I'll just use this one example. When I read something from someone that I, I may happen to know or, or know about or have interviewed, and they're attempting to put some really great content out there. And truly, the guy I'm going to tell you about in a second is a thought leader and is someone who's got a lot to say. And maybe there was one comment, maybe there were 16 views. And then right below, I'll see typically a young woman from somewhere in the world and she's putting in all kinds of little funny pictures in this but there's really nothing it's just fluff i mean there's just there's just, there's just nothing there and joel peterson who's someone i interviewed last week and you know, i've had on twice now who is chairman of the board of JetBlue. he was the head of the hoover institute he teaches the graduate business school at stanford has run a very very successful company bonobos which he sold. He's got a new book out on entrepreneurial leadership and the show will air probably a week after that that show aired. And the guy has so much wisdom and so much to say. And I don't know if it's him or his PR firm are starting to put out some of these messages. And if you were advising someone like that who really does have something worthwhile to say, 
does it matter? I don't know. This is, I guess, sort of a metaphysical question that I, I have with my with my brother who who writes a blog, and he was amazed how many clicks and and listens that I get to on this podcast. And he's done a blog for seven years, which has been successful for him in getting new business. And he's put out phenomenal content, but he doesn't care if there's only 20 people that actually read it, but two called him. So where do you find that fine line? How do you balance that? And Dan, from, from your consulting that you're doing all over the world, how do I help with those people that you really think have something strong to say? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, th- I think it's helping them define what it is that they are trying to say. Because I think some people, they know a lot about a lot of things, right? And they could be experts and thought leaders in so many different things. But it's like really helping them narrow down to the thing that they are really passionate about, that they want to rally behind. But then teaching them like how to take whatever that passion is and creating a plat- using a platform like LinkedIn to amplify that passion. And that's why video does become such a great hook. But again, we live in a, in a world, right, where people are looking for instant gratification, don't have the mental capacity to stay with anything for too long. And so when, when they produce these videos, they've got to be sharp, short, they've got to be on point, they've got to be educational from the get-go, thoughtful, maybe humorous, just stuff to keep the person engaged, but not go on and on and on and on. And then when you think about your passion, it, you it comes to marketing, right? It's having a content plan and a content calendar and thinking, what content am I going to share over a, an elongated period of time? And make sure that you then execute against that because too often people have all the best intentions and then come out of the gate strong and then it dies off and they don't do anything for six months and then they come back again and then they're like, well, I don't get any engagement in my content. Well, you don't know because you're not showing up on a regular basis and you're not delivering the content in a way that people are consuming. So there's so much to unpack, but that's my two cents worth. I was going to say, I totally agree with Dan there. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. It is all about consistency. My kids can't schedule anything, but when there's a new Star Wars Clone Wars that's coming on on Friday, they know that's on. And so if you build a a rabid fan base, right? I, I think even Gary Vee puts out too much content. Obviously, he's one of the leading experts on the planet and he gets paid a ton of money to come and talk about this stuff. But it's what point are you putting out? too much or trying to be too many things to too many people and so having that discipline to be consistent over a long period of time is really hard right and so i think that's a big differentiator by sticking to a particular area of interest and passion that you can be consistent having a a, an editorial calendar is really important understand the ebbs and flows of your industry if you're selling ski gear you know, you're probably not marketing it really hardcore in August in you know the United States. You're going to be focusing on the Southern Hemisphere. Those types of things that obviously when you're an industry expert, you'd be more familiar with. Or something that's really important. Like one thing that I always talk about in the real estate business is renter's insurance. I know to tell people to make sure, especially if you're sending your kids off to, to university for the first time, make sure you have renter's insurance if they're living off of campus. As most parents, as homeowners, they, they've owned their house for the last 20 years. They don't think about renter's insurance anymore. But for me, it's normal. And that's so true. And there's there's so many lessons that are learned in, in our own private lives and 
And I think in this age of what we're dealing with, with the virus, what I particularly am enjoying are seeing a lot of words of encouragement and spreading kindness, but sometimes in a non-traditional way. And, and I'm not going to tout my own horn. Well, I'll tout my own horn for two seconds. And it wasn't anything that just I thought about other than five days into this, I went outside to take a little bit of a lunch break and it happened to be a nice day. And I just decided to shoot a little video of myself just kind of pouring it out and pouring out the emotions of what this is like for someone that's never worked at home, suddenly has you know their entire family working at home and living in fear of what's happening and what we are being told or not being told. And I got tremendous feedback on that, mostly from people that just felt like they liked the compassion. And, and it wasn't done on purpose. It was just, it literally hit me. And I said, you know, this is, this is a moment. This is something I just want to share. And it wasn't anything I shared on any other medium. And maybe Facebook would have been the right place. But for me, it felt like LinkedIn was the right place because there are so many of us that have been working in offices or been traveling so much that this is just such another world. So Dan, you've been on the road. Both of you guys are road warriors, I mean, without a doubt. But you know, you've been on the road a lot in the last couple of years and consulting with these companies out there. And when it comes to the coronavirus itself, I mean, obviously, politics is always a huge taboo. And now more than ever, I would imagine, obviously, I can't go there on this show. I would love to have my own separate show and <laughs> probably have Brian on every week and we'd have a lot of fun. But how do you mix that in with so many of these big corporations that, that you're working with? What are you telling them? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely traveled all over the world. It's just before, well, right at the start of the pandemic, when it hit this side of the world, I actually had a gig in Germany and flew out to Germany to do it and landed at Frankfurt Airport and then got an email to say, yeah, we're not going to do this. The risk is too high. So jumped back on the plane and went straight back to the US within 24 hours. So yeah, talk about, talk about being on the on the road a lot. Yeah, I would, I would agree. But what, hasn't it been fascinating though when it comes to the transition that has taken place and how quickly and relatively comfortable people have become with things like Zoom and the equivalent of those kind of platforms to not only like communicate internally with their own organizations, but also to conduct training as well. And what's been fascinating about what we do is a lot of the launch events that we tend to do with our programs were in person. I would say about 70% of companies launch live and about 30% would launch virtually and get everyone together, maybe at a sales kickoff or something like that. And then all of the ongoing learning development was all virtual anyway. So I think there's a few things that were happening anyway prior to the pandemic where the world was kind of moving in this direction. And I think the pandemic has kind of fast-tracked a lot of the shifts that we were seeing anyway, not just with the working from home movement, but also just the shift to companies embracing digital for so many different reasons and purposes and, and of course for sales it's been really interesting to watch how companies have embraced it and adopted it and adapted to it and equally how others have not and i, I genuinely am, am fearful for those kind of companies and uh, the leaders who are not at least being curious to find out more 
Yeah. And and Brian, you've probably traveled the equivalent of to the moon and back over the last decade and a half. But what are some of the biggest topics that you, you're seeing people post about these days? Anything that is surprising you or things that you think are really, really helpful? And we're all looking for silver linings every single day of our lives right now. So what are some of the silver linings in the topics that are trending on LinkedIn? Probably not surprising with uh, May being Mental Health Month. A lot of people openly talking about mental health challenges, especially in North America. I think that's really important, especially in today's additionally stressful times. I think that, you know, at least when I grew up professionally, anything less than perfection was not acceptable, or at least perceived perfection, which obviously led to other challenges. But I think people's willingness to discuss those types of topics in a professional environment and openly is really important. You see that type of content on LinkedIn now. Other more supportive tips around time management, how to deal with stress. I think those things are more helpful sometimes than acquiring just broad skills. Like, oh, I can now code in Ruby on Rails or I can code in Java or whatever. A hard skill is because tech skills are in such demand. I would agree. And I'm going to throw another shout out to Esther Pearl, someone who I wasn't aware of, who I discovered through LinkedIn recently and began reading some of her work and listening to her podcasts, which really has a lot to do with stress management. And she's the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors and and just incredible how she's put the whole thing together. And there's just really, really wonderful content that, that people should look at. So we've got a really unique situation that we've never dealt with. I mean, we've got 30 million going into this week, people out of work, and that number is just going to grow. We have industries that are probably going to go out of business. We have industries that are going to struggle for a number of years. Actually, it was Bruce Springsteen who said on the New Jersey pandemic uh, program, how many people will suffer from PTSD when they get back out there. So I think we got to at least cover job searching skills a little bit. And I know that's not specifically the area you guys work in, but you're probably a lot closer to it than I am. And, and with people facing the grim reality of looking for work, I'm sure you guys have a little bit of advice to pass on and just some of the thoughts maybe that you're seeing or, or maybe trends in hiring, maybe different industries that all of a sudden are growing. I'll take that one. Very quickly. One, I would strongly suggest anyone who's about to embark on either a career change, either by choice or by force, they do a, a skills assessment of themselves and the things that they are good at, the things that they're not so good at, and try to understand where some of those skills are transferable across industries. I think people get pigeonholed. If you grew up in financial services, you're only going to look at other financial services firms. I think that's the wrong way of approaching it because you can combine a personal passion with the skill sets you acquired in financial services, as an example, and maybe apply it into the tech industry or other industries. So I think that's step one. Step two, put out your content, engage with people, randomly say hello, wish other people happy birthday. I typically hear from people I haven't heard from in years when all of a sudden they need something. Well, guess what? You move down the priority list at that point. <laughs> but that person has just randomly said hello to me six months ago. What do you need? How can I help you? You get out of your garden what you put into it. And if you don't take care of it, it's not going to be there for you. And you can also look for remote work. So if you go to the job tab on LinkedIn, if you type in remote and hit enter, you'll see there's tens of thousands of remote positions now available on LinkedIn. I think with more companies being open to remote opportunities or you know, work from home positions, opens up 
a whole new host of opportunities that people may not have had before. Yeah. And I think many people that were going into work are going to learn very quickly that companies are starting to realize, wait a minute, we don't need all that space. This is working out fine in that division. I mean, I'll use my my son's group at UBS as an example, where they were just advised that they probably won't go back to the headquarters in New Jersey, at least until next year, because they're able to do their task and and they're able to do it very, very well. And also they don't want to put more lives at stake, which is obviously what the current issue is. What about you, Dan? What sort of trends are are you seeing in the labor markets and hiring in your communities? Because I know you work with some very, very large organizations and and, and you're probably having a lot of conversations around this now. So very much so. So I guess it does really depend on the industry that the companies are selling into. So some of our companies are selling into incredibly strong industries that are surviving everything that's going on right now. And then others, the polar opposite. We've got a couple of customers who um, are selling into the aviation industry and having a really hard time of it, right? So I think there's that. But I want to go back to something that we're talking about. You know, if you find yourself in this situation now that Brian was sharing, And if you're not working, take it as an opportunity to just breathe and then think about like, what did I like about the role that I was in? And what did I not like about the role that I was in? And then if I'm able to find the next perfect gig for myself, what does that look like? And be really thoughtful about it. And then take the time as well. People don't always like asking for feedback. I love it personally, but people don't always like it. So, But take the time to go and ask your your former colleagues or people you work with at other companies and your peers in the industry and even your friends, right? And areas where you might get feedback that you're not quite as strong as maybe you thought you were, knowing that kind of thing will help you, you know, in terms of what do you read now, what content you consume what books do you read what podcasts do you listen to to really hone those skills and then as brian was saying that then it becomes make sure that when hiring managers do engage with you the first thing within a couple of seconds is that your linkedin profile it's kind of where we started the podcast right that that pops and it puts the best version of yourself out there and then as brian was saying it's not necessarily about who you know it's about who they know so looking into job opportunities and companies that you're interested in and like who in your network might be able to introduce you to people at the companies for the roles that you're interested in. As bad as it is to be out of work, use it as an opportunity to when you go back into the workforce, go and get the, the, the job that is, is what you want to be doing. It's going to make you happy and, and be the best version of yourself. Excellent. So there are two last areas I want to cover quickly before we wrap. Obviously, the online learning world has dramatically changed as kids are in school, kids in college, and adults in every aspect now are dealing more and more with the online learning world. Brian, I know you were a big part of bringing LinkedIn learning to task at LinkedIn, and you're very strong at identifying really, really quality people to be out there. So any suggestions of any new courses that you think maybe you might want to mention to some of the listeners right now that LinkedIn has added recently that can be really helpful? Well, I think much to LinkedIn's credit, they decided to provide a a subset of the LinkedIn Learning Library for free to all members for things that are related to working from home to get through the new normal, as people are calling it. So I think that would be something that anyone can investigate very quickly on LinkedIn.com and take advantage of it. 
But you know, if you also have a LinkedIn Premium license, you have access to the library as well. And one of the things that I'm personally doing is I'm taking courses around lead certification for green building as part of my other hobby. So not just focusing on my what I do for my day job professionally, but other areas of interest. So you know, use the lack of commuting time to take advantage of or explore passions or interests that you may not have had previous, you know, had the opportunity or time to do previously. That's a great idea. That really is terrific. Someone asked me this, and I, I thought I would bring it up. Someone who was a, actually a former CMO with a major shoe manufacturer who's, who has his own marketing consulting firm. What about LinkedIn conversation ads? It's a form of advertising. This person was talking about considering doing LinkedIn conversation ads, apparently going into different conversations and doing advertising within that. So sometimes like seeing that on Instagram and stuff like that, I don't like that at all, personally. I think the dialogue and comment section should be reserved for content related to or a conversation continuing from the content that was shared. Anytime I see advertising outside of what was related to or even advertising at all in a conversation, I despise it. I automatically turn it off. But that that's my own personal opinion. Yeah, I, I echo that. I'm, I'm the same, man. Exactly the same. Well, we're three for three on that one. I don't understand it, but this person was saying that he'd seen a lot of that and was just wondering if that is a trend, but maybe it's not such a good trend. So Fishing scams are a trend too, but... Yeah, that's... (laughs) (laughs) We could go to a lot of trends. I've been asking this question at, at the end of the shows the last few months, and I don't think the question really meant more until now, and I'd love to get each of your thought on this. So, and to be fair, I did steal this like every good idea. It's been stolen. This was Tim Ferriss and Tribe of Mentors. But if you each had a billboard to leave the world with some kind of an important message right now, what would it be and why? And we'll start with you, Dan. Wow. I think it would just say, be kind. Just simple. Like literally, I think just be kind because right now we're all struggling. Many people are struggling and they show no signs publicly that they're struggling, but boy, they are. And you never know. So I think right now, just be kind. I was thinking exactly the same thing. The only thing that I would add to it, so it'd be kind, comma, seek to understand. I think everyone, especially in the digital environment, get so caught up in their idea, they forget that not everyone communicates using the written word or even verbally with the same skill set. They jump to conclusions and assumptions on the intent of who's of the person trying to communicate without trying to seek to understand the difference of opinion. Today's environment seems so visceral and so argumentative that it's about being right, not about seeking to understand. And I think that if we lead with being kind and we seek to understand one another, we can eliminate and actually get so much more accomplished as a community. I love that. And, you know, people are really working hard. And I found that they're trying to stay positive. And it's interesting that you you guys use the word kindness because of the seven or eight times I've asked that question, that five times that word's popped up and positive has been the other one. But I do think this is a time for kindness. And, and I really, really love that seek to understand because there's so much to unpack right there. So folks, if you haven't had a chance and you do not follow either Brian Teej, T-I-E-T-J-E, 
or Dan Swift, Empire Selling is his company. You should connect with them, if only just to see the quality of the posts that these two gentlemen who have had connections with LinkedIn, as I said, from the early, early days, and not embarrassing the two of them. But one of the things that is so critical, I find, in this surreal time that we're living through is human touch. And we don't have that. But what we do have is the ability to check in with each other. And both of these guys that I'm talking to today, Brian and Dan, have checked in with me multiple times. And I'm sure I am one of a number of people that they have done with. And they have helped me pay that forward dramatically and been telling more and more people about how much that means. Because when you're sitting here And as I'm sitting here recording the show and my family's downstairs, we have our own WeWork. Maybe I won't use that word WeWork today, Brian, but that's the only word I'll use. (laughs) Read Brian's post from earlier today. But it's just such a a unique change in in your environment and in change in your daily lives. And I just want to thank both of you for, for, for checking in with me because that does mean a lot. And those in your lives that you are been doing that with, I'm sure feel the same way. And if I could pay it forward and tell anything to to those listening, check in with those, check in with people. Maybe it's someone you've only had a couple of conversations with, but someone that you really liked and, and there was something you thought unique about that person. There are a lot of people struggling out there. You know, we're talking about a lot of different topics today, but at the end of the day, it's keeping yourself healthy and finding positive things throughout your lives to be grateful for. And that's really, in the end, I guess I'll quote, in the end, only kindness matters, even though that's not a Springsteen line. I will throw that in. (laughs) Guys, thanks so much. As always, really a pleasure to have you on. Brian Teage, who is with LinkedIn, and Dan Swift, CEO of Empire Selling. And thank you to the folks at Resonate Recording who are helping me get these shows out really quickly. Thanks to the Zencaster folks for teaching me quickly how to change my dynamic. And to all the folks at UBS that have been so supportive in helping get this program out. And also a shout out to those at UBS that are also paying it forward and doing a really, really, really strong job in keeping touch with all of their employees. So remember, as I always say at the end of every show, When you are saving for your future and you will have a future and you will have a wonderful future and we will get through this time, pay yourself first. Have a great week. 